0: Apart from Beth, who remembers what we shared last week? (coughs) Maybe I should send you an email before the meeting and say, I'd like you to share a little bit of what I shared last week. Well, we were in the book of... Hebrews we were in the book of Hebrews last Sunday afternoon if I say uh, this morning you'll just have to forgive me because most of my preaching in the past has been in the morning morning meetings and for some reason it gets stuck in, your, in the way you think so you say talking to people say this morning but that's the way it is I'm afraid do you remember which chapter we were? We looked at. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we were in chapter ten, and I want to look. Um, at it again but I want to bring out something rather different but I'm going to read chapter 10 from verse 1 for the law having a shadow of good things to come not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect, for then they would not have been ceased. They would not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshippers, and we talked about worshippers earlier on in the meeting, the worshippers once purged would have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, you might have in italics, is a remembrance, again, of sins year by year, or every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me, Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he saith, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, an offering for sin, thou wouldest not neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. I read all that last week, I believe. But then we were talking about, I think it was last week, about the conscience being purged from sin. I want to look at this phrase here that the writer to the Hebrew says in verse 9, I believe it is. Then said he, lo, I've come to do thy will, O God. No, before that. Um, let's read it from verse 5 again. Therefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, but a body. You think that's a funny thing, a body. What, what, how did Jesus come into the world? How did Jesus come into the world? He came in the form of a baby. Like all of us have to come into the world. And he came into the world as a baby. And he grew up. He had a body. You have a body. I have a body. Okay, and that's what I want to talk to us about this afternoon. Jesus was given a body to do the will of God. He couldn't do the will of God that he needed to do to give you and I salvation, redemption, unless God had given him a body. And all the types and figures. Of the sacrifices under the old covenants were types and figures of that which Jesus would accomplish in his body. It says that he was tempted in all things, like as we, yet without sin. And you can pick this theme up, if it's a theme, in earlier on in the epistle. He was made like unto his brethren. In chapter 2 you'll find it. It behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. For the suffering of sin. Our sin. He suffered for our sin. In his body on the tree. Now so much is such a big subject. And there's so many scriptures one could use. But I just want to concentrate on this fact that God gave him a body and God has given you and I a body Okay. now it's a body that's corruptible it's a body that's decaying it's a body which eventually will perish and your body will be no more But you will still be. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, If you believe in me, and these are his own words, I will raise you up on the last day. So if we believe in Jesus Christ, and as the Apostle Paul says, God will give us a new body. an incorruptible body a body that m- is cannot be corrupted incorruptible but the body we have now is a body that is as you know as you sit in that chair and as i stand there here you know your body is perishing don't you you know from the day you were born till the day when you part this When you leave this body behind, you have been perishing. And you look at a little baby and you think, oh, how wonderful. And it is, isn't it? Of course it is. But that child's going to die. That child's body is going to perish. Of course, all you see is the body. And inside that body, as that child grows up, it develops and intelligence it develops emotions it develops not just physically but emotionally Jesus grew up in knowledge and understanding he had emotions just like you and I and he had compassion. So when we read our Bible and Jesus in his body is moving amongst people, he's, it says, we read, he had compassion on the multitude. He had compassion on this one. He had compassion on that one. But he needed to have a body in order to bear our sin. And that was the greatest work of God, as the word came earlier. It's love that lifted me, the love of God. His body was, as Wesley said, was extended on a tree. His body was crucified. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His body was destroyed. Every bone was out of place. Not one was broken, but every one was out of place. If you know anything about crucifixion, His arms. There's someone here today in the meeting who has trouble with one of their joints, and today it's, it's taped up. But all Jesus' joints were out of place as he hang, hung on that cross. All of them. Because he bore in his body our sin. the weight of our sin was in his body your sin, my sin my disobedience, my transgression he bore in his body on the tree you can read it in one of the epistles he bore in his body it's not some fanciful, airy fairy religion Jesus Christ was a man he had a body and in his body he bore our sin and because he bore our sin the wrath of God was poured upon him and he was treated like everyone that's ever sinned in the world he was treated like that because the wrath of God fell on him in his body on the tree and of course we know he was raised again by the glory of the father he didn't raise himself up the father he trusted God could you trust God like that? you know in your circumstances in your life things might happen you just commit yourself to God and say Lord whatever happens I'm trusting you see Jesus in the garden he cried as a man in a body Wesley has this wonderful phrase God contracted to a span incomprehensibly made man God contracted to a span you know what a span is the measurement incomprehensibly made man what lovely words I love the writings the poems of Charles Wesley they express so much truth a man who lived in it walked in it see, he says here when he came in the world you don't want sacrifices you don't want offerings but you've prepared for me a body and down there in verse 9 I think it is then said he, lo I come to do thy will Oh God that's why God has given you a body to do his will did you know that the only reason that you and I are on this earth and the only reason you and I have a body is that we should do the will of God it's a very noisy floor Let's excuse the noise Hallelujah. The only reason that you are born, and I am born, is that we should do the will of God. That is the only reason he's given you a body. If it was true for the Son of God, why shouldn't it be true for you and me? And you know, we read in the epistle of John, the first epistle of John, they that do the will of God abide forever so it's not those who simply, oh I believe there's a saviour, I believe, I believe the scripture says a body has thou prepared me to do thy will, I need to move on into what I intended to say which I haven't really done so but how pleased do you think God is with, I- with, with you and your body and regarding you obeying him and doing his will it's a real question I can ask it again how pleased do you think God is with you and how pleased do I think God is with me Regarding doing his will in this body that he's given me do you think he takes pleasure in your life do I think he takes pleasure in my life well let's look into Matthew I'll try not to be overly long chapter 3 Jesus said that um, there will come a day when God will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, I never knew you. And how do you think he's going to come to that conclusion? How is he going to arrive at that conclusion? Whether he's well pleased with you and me or he considers you and me to be workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, God took pleasure in his son. Chapter 3 of Matthew, I said, didn't I? Okay. So we're going to go down miss it quite a bit. I'll go down to verse 13, I think it is. When then cometh Jesus from Galilee, because that's where he'd been, obviously, to Jordan unto John to be baptised by him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptised of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and it lighted upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This body has now been subjected to being baptized in water for you and me. Bear that in mind. Jesus didn't need to be baptised in water. He did it for your sins and my sins. To acknowledge your and my sins. But he said, Then the Spirit of God came and a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, You know, when he was in the temple as a little boy, they went down to Jerusalem, his mum and dad, to a feast there, which they did annually. And they used to go as a big crowd, so there'd be all sorts of uncles and aunties and brothers and sisters and cousins and neighbours and, you know, Mrs Jones from down in Llewellyn Street. They'd all go together in a crowd. And they'd return together in the crowd. Well, after a couple of days, Joseph and Mary... Where's Jesus? Where's he gone? They couldn't find him. I don't know how far they'd gone. Long way. I think it might say two days' journey... So they went all tracked, they made, you know, backtracked all the way. And they found him. And they weren't very happy. He was in the temple. He was 12 years old. And he was sat in the temple. And he was teaching and talking with the lawyers. And the priests and the other people in the temple. 12 year old. And they came into the temple... And his mother was rather cross. They said, Don't you know that we've been looking for you? And I think he said, Woman, what have I got to do with you? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? See, he was in a body doing his father's will. He could have said, "Doing my father's will. Mother, uh, woman, what have I got to do with you? He then showed by his action that he was doing the will of him that sent him and he always did the will of him. He was in a body and even a 12 year old. There's lots more I'd like to share but that wonderful thing there that father said to him this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and you know God wants to say that to you and me he wants to say it to you now of course he won't call you his son will he <coughs> my daughter the one I love wouldn't it be wonderful if, if you heard a voice now I don't think you will just to say we don't want to go into hearing voices do we wouldn't it be wonderful if you heard a voice in your heart, and God says to you, "Beth, I'm well pleased with you. Hmm? I'm well pleased with you." That's what God wants to do. That's why He's given you a body. That's why He's given me a body, to do His will. What have I to do with thee, woman? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? Where shall we go? I don't want to be too long. But I probably will be. Okay, let's look at, another, at the same voice in a different situation. In 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, where shall we start? You know, it would help if I was in 2 Peter instead of in 1 Peter, wouldn't it? Do you think so? This is the joys of being a preacher, isn't it? So, I've got a little note here. I must confess. Verse 17. So, if you can find verse 17. And uh, someone could read it out for me. and, um, And verse 18. Let's 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 read. Whoever's going to read it? Have I got a volunteer? No. Okay. 2 Peter, chapter one. And we're going to look at verse sixteen. For we have not followed cunningly, cunningly, devised fables. Does someone like to read it out? No. <laughs> Go on. You can. We can. We can cope with that one. Now, from 16 right down to verse 18, please. Nice and loud. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him in the majestic, glory saying, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Thank you. Amen. See, there's God there. Do you know, talking, Father talking to his son. He spoke. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, we have it in the authorised version but the same truth is there. Do you know the situation where that came? He talked about being on the sacred or holy mountain there. He took Peter, James and John with him up to the mountain and that appeared to him, I didn't intend saying it, but now it's brought up so you've got context And there had appeared with Jesus on the mountain, Moses on one side of him, and on the other, Elijah. OK? Jesus was transfigured before them, and his garments became glistening, white, glistening. And the Peter and John said, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three ta- tabernacles. You know, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So, little tents, little booths to sit in. But as they said this, a cloud descended and a voice out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the cloud was gone, they were left alone with Jesus in the midst, Elijah And Moses had gone. And that's something that maybe we can speak about another time. It's absolutely wonderful truth in that, if we can grasp it. But basically, let me just say very, very quickly. Moses represents the law. Elijah represented the prophets. And God was saying to them, Listen to my son he has fulfilled the law he has fulfilled the prophets listen to him and there's a corresponding truth in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 if you want to look that up but not now if you don't mind so what I'm going to do now Let's. we've established that God is well pleased with his son I reckon, don't you? In the mouth of one or two witnesses, every word shall be established. So God the Father has declared, I'm pleased. He's given him a body, and in this body that the Father has given to Jesus, Jesus is doing his will and fulfilling his will. He said, I've come to do his will, not my own will. And so when he was in the garden, before he was captured and taken away and judged and crucified, he prayed three times. Fell on his face. Some version says he fell on his knees. Maybe he did it one time and then on his face another time. But his prayer was this. And we all know it. But do we know it? This is the thing. This, um, not my will, but thine be done. He said, if this cup can pass from me, but if not, thy will be done, not mine. He came to a point, and he knew this all his, well, till he ca- when he came into the consciousness of knowing he was God's son, he knew why he was there. He knew way before that. Even when Peter said to him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood's not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he started to say to them, The Son of Man will be arrested, and crucified, etc., etc. But shall rise the third day. I mustn't get distracted from what I'm saying here. So we've got this, this truth. It's, it's Jesus we should listen to because he's done the will of God, hasn't he? And when he was in the garden, eh, he said, not my will be done, but thy will be done. I've come to do thy will, O oh my God. And the will of God is that he should bear your sins and my sins in his body on the tree. Don't forget that word body because we're going to look at it now and we're going to end in a minute. So I want you to go into Romans chapter 12, please. Did we, we looked at that in, uh, yeah, Peter, we've, we've covered that enough, I think. So I want you to go into a very, very well-known scripture. So it's the book of Romans and chapter 12. But I'm going to read a few verses before that. Because in chapter 12. Because we must remember there are no chapters in the original. They've been put in for our benefit. So we can say Romans chapter 12 verse 1. But they weren't there in the original. So I want you to look into chapter 11 and right towards the bottom of the chapter, verse 33, okay? Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And my Bible has an exclamation mark after it. So it should be read like this. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's exclaiming, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways, past finding out. Another exclamation mark in my text. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath seen, uh, sorry, who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again? For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things. Of him, through him, and to him, are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. I hope you can say that. And then he goes on to say, I beseech you, therefore... The therefore is linked to what is just said. Oh, the depths of the mercy, judgments of God. How unsearchable. Hallelujah, past finding out His judgments and His ways. Therefore, because everything is for him, everything is through him, and everything is to him, if you read there in verse 36, all things, to him be glory forever. Therefore, I beseech you, and we have the mercies of God, that would be better translated, tender mercies. What a lovely phrase tender you might have compassions I beseech you therefore on account of what I've just said to you I beseech you new brethren by the tender mercies or through the tender compassions of God that you present your timesheet when you leave and go home and then you can do what you like Go to a party go and take some cocaine with your mates or you can you know go off with a prostitute somewhere or you can go and gamble your money away you can waste your life is that what he says in your body is your body you see it's your body remember who's given it to you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service or religious service you might have so because of what gone before everything is for him to him and through him I beseech you that you present your body because I tell you why they don't belong to you did you think your body belongs to you well you're greatly mistaken you've only been loaned it you've You're borrowing it. So much to say. So little time to say it in. Okay, I'd like to go and develop that. I won't at the moment. Go into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and we'll end with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So God has given us a body to do his will. need someone to come and turn the pages for me like when you're playing the piano someone turns the pages And not it be good wouldn't it come and turn the pages find the chapter for me chapter 6 I said didn't I because there's so many things going through my mind as I speak to you I find it difficult to concentrate you might have noticed so chapter 6 Let's go to verse 12. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be under the power of any. Meats are for the belly, the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both, it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. You get in the picture. For God hath both raised up the Lord and will raise us up with him by his power. Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ. Speaking to the church in Corinth. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid, or by no means. What? Know ye not that he that is joined to a harlot is one body? See, the word body keeps coming up, doesn't it? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you so if you've received the Holy Ghost if you've truly been born again of God that's what your body is it is the temple of God it is the temple of the Holy Spirit which you have from God and you are not your own listen again you're not your own you are not your own you are gravely mistaken if you think you've got that body and I've got this body to do my will in God's given us a body to do his will and even your body doesn't belong to you Maybe you thought it, it, it did. Now go on now. Verse 20, "For you are bought. And do you know you've been bought? Did you know you've been bought? Do you know you've been bought with a price you know what the price was God's only son saying not my will but thine be done and obeying father and going through and bearing the sin your sin and my sin the sin of the whole world in his body in his body. On the tree. Just remember these things. I hope you will. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. In your body and in your spirit. So if you're born again. Born again. You can gl- you're one spirit with the Lord. And you can glorify God in your spirit. Which are God's. In other words, they belong to God. Your body belongs to God. Jesus Christ has bought you. And there's lots of references to such things in in the book. Um, Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, if you're the Lord's, which is in you. And the scripture says that he hath not the spirit of the Lord in them. The spirit of Christ is none of his. Romans chapter 8. He that hath not the spirit of Christ in him is none of his. Don't belong to him. But if you belong to God, you receive the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And there's so much. This, this, this goes out wide and wide Ephesians chapter 2. About the temple of God dwelling place of God. Masses of masses and masses of things one could say about this whole subject. Well, I just want to look at one last and then we're done. Into Acts. Again, well-known scriptures. Chapter 20. right, so I'll uh, just give a bit of background here the uh the elders of the churches are gathered together. I'm just trying to be, find a bit I want to s- speak to you about where shall we go and he says in verse. 25. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you. All the counsel of God. Now that's a proper man of God. I've not shunned to preach or declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore to yourselves and to, to the flock. Over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Elders if you like. Shepherds. Feed the church of God which he has purchased with his blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, and sparing not the flock. Also of your own souls shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every man night and day with tears. And so it go, he commends them to the grace of God. But it's that little phrase there. Take heed to yourselves and unto all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood you're bought with a price you belong to him I belong to him we belong to him we are not our own therefore glorify God and the only way we can glorify God is by doing his will and saying to God not my will but thine be done. And of course you've got to know what the will of God is, haven't you? And how are you going to know what the will of God is if you don't know him? Can't. Can't know the will of God unless I know him, can I? Scripture says this is the will of God and it mentions certain things about sanctification. This is the will of God. You should be... Holy, sanctified but that's another subject and our time's drifted away I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing something else Father we do thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word Lord from your written word your inspired word inspired by the Holy Spirit Lord that we should hear he that has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To so quote the words of Jesus Himself, and we commit this word to you, Lord. And we commit our bodies to you, which belong to you. And we pray this word, Lord, might not only enter our heart, but be effectual. And do in your will we thank you lord for this opportunity then in jesus name amen <laughs>